joy to serve and pastor this church. My wife and I really are thrilled with the opportunity that we get to uh, pastor this church. And for those watching online, we want to welcome you as well. We trust that you would gather your family together if you're not able to make it here live with us, but you join us online. We encourage you to get your family together with you or to lock and load with us. The Word of God is vital. The Word of God is of most importance in your life. Can I get one person to say amen so I know I'm not alone with that? Jesus declared that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I'll say it again. Jesus says man does not live by bread alone, but we live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And he told that to the devil himself. Amen. Amen. I want you to know that you have to be able to, in these last days, ask the Lord to give you discernment. Just because someone can quote the word doesn't mean that they actually believe the word. The enemy is proof of that, that he probably knows the scripture better than many of us. And so if you don't discern the source, you can become contaminated and fall into a trap. And so Jesus recognized that even though Satan was quoting the word of God, he had no authority to live out what he was quoting. And so Jesus picked up on that and he says, Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I want to encourage you in this season to become even more committed to the scriptures. I will encourage you in this season to even be more committed to the Holy Spirit giving you discernment. And the reason why I say this is because the text before us is Luke chapter 6. And we're going to read and we're going to see the greatest preacher that ever existed and still exists. He is not the most celebrated preacher, and he's okay with that. He's not the most popular preacher, but he's okay with that. The reason why he's okay with that is because he is the word. Jesus is the word. Someone say the word. And so everything in your life must center around Jesus Christ. Everything. God, I believe, has placed within every human being a passion. A passion for something that troubles you. A passion for something that causes you to look at injustice and you want to address it. That's a gift from God. Hebrews talks about we have to administer justice as part of God's design. That's what God wants us to do. But he also gives a warning because the enemy can cause your cause to replace Christ. And what I mean by that is if your cause, the thing that you're passionate about, does not move people to Christ, then you have just wasted your valuable energy and opportunity. Can I get a witness? It's not popular because it seems that Jesus' word is seeming to not have the effect that it did maybe 20 years ago. We're seeing that there is an onslaught to the body of Christ. This is not to fear you. This is literally for you to wake up and to understand the value and the importance of the word of God. For Jesus said to the enemy, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In this season, I encourage you to become more committed 
to the scriptures and be more committed to having a discerning of spirit. Pastor, you already said that. You're repeating yourself. No, I'm doing it by design. That as we look at the world and all that has taken place, the natural disasters that are affecting this nation and also many of the of the nations that are in the paths of hurricanes and tornadoes and the various natural things that I'm sure in some place in this world, in some place in the United States of America, someone's asking, God, where are you? God, what in the world is going on? That's just the natural stuff. We're still being plagued and we're still having to deal with the effects of, of COVID and we still have to, to deal with the effects of Wars and rumors of wars. We have to deal with empires raising and empires falling. And the scriptures talked about all this. And so we must hear from the greatest preacher of all time. What he says and what we must do. So turn to Luke chapter 6. We're going to look at Luke's writing of what Matthew recorded in three chapters. Luke gives us a summary of it. Perhaps because his audience was different than Matthew's audience. Matthew's audience was the Jewish nation. Matthew was speaking to Jewish people. And so his account of the gospel was focused on a Jewish nation. Why is it important that you know that? It's important that you know that so that you don't think that the Bible contradicts itself or that the gospel writers will contradict themselves. The enemy will use every weapon he has to try to get you to get away from the word of God. And if you don't know the audience of who they were writing to, that can trip you up. I can mess you up. And so Matthew, writing to a Jewish audience, and so he spends in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Beatitudes, and moves and talks about the kingdom. But Luke here in Luke chapter 6, he summarizes it because Luke is speaking more to a Gentile nation. He's, he's one of the few writers that elevates females. He, 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 he brings characters in that Matthew does not um, that John doesn't, but, but Luke is the gospel writer of the book of Acts. And you see that as Luke is writing, he wants to make sure that this gospel is for everybody. Someone say everybody. And so this message then is for everybody. And Jesus, he, he's amazing. He's preaching. And before he begins to preach in Luke uh, chapter 6, we see his power. Uh, we see his power that begins... Uh, in verse 1, and we see that he is Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, by design, Jesus is going to not break the law. He's going to fulfill the law. You have to understand that to be a great United States of American citizen. You have to know how to bring the law of the kingdom into this earth and yet at the same time have the law of this land, right? There's no contradiction to that. We don't break the law. We fulfill the law because we have a greater authority, I'll let that simmer right there because that will cause unity to come right in all of us. Don't let the enemy divide us. Come on. we got to stop that nonsense. we got to realize that we are the prophetic voice that must guide and direct. And so Jesus comes on the scene and he automatically just starts to mess with the religious folks. Like almost like by design. Just looks at them and says, I'm going to pluck the grape on the Sabbath And they're getting mad, and Jesus really doesn't care because he rather their soul make it to heaven than cause their flesh to make them stay stuck in bondage and go to hell. 
And so Jesus now, he's going to do that in your life. I can testify with both hands and both of my feet. That Jesus sometime in your life will challenge the religious mindset that likes to lock itself in because of your personal experience rather than the word of God. Mm, That is so good. I'm amazed at how we make theology out of our personal experience and we kick God out. Jesus called that your traditions have made the word of God a none effect. So he begins in Luke and he, and he does something here. And, he, and then Jesus now, I love when Jesus quotes the Old Testament. Let me tell you something. Although we're under grace, we don't eliminate the Old Testament. Let me settle that argument right now. That's battling in your mind. The Old Testament is what Jesus quoted from. Hello. And so here he now, he's given them a history lesson in the Old Testament. And so he begins and he says, okay, you guys know the scriptures, you rabbis, you scribes, you lawyers, you guys know the scriptures so well. And he brings up this concept of David. He brings up when David was hungry and how David ate and he says, look what David did. And so he's realizing that he wants them to understand, elevate yourself above religion. He's telling them that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And the reason why he says that, he sets them up because then he goes on and, and just begins his healing ministry. Please understand that Jesus still heals today. Oh, my goodness. Can someone give God praise and glory? Thank God he still heals today. We would be people who are hopeless if he didn't heal today. I know he heals physically. Come on. But I also know he heals mentally, emotionally, psychologically. Come on. Jesus is healing Uh, because he understands a man came with a withered hand and he comes to Jesus. So not only did he mess with the Sabbath by his digestive choices, he also now goes ahead and heals on the Sabbath. Now the religious people are really mad. They're upset. And so here comes a withered man and he hides his thing. And that's how we are sometimes that when you're about to break a religious mindset, sometimes you hide that very thing that God wants to heal. Stop hiding so God can heal it. Come on. And so he takes it out and he gets it there and he says, oh, my goodness, you restored me. See, I don't know about you, but God is restoring my manhood. Come on. He's, he's, he's saying, listen, I know, I know you're at a certain season in your life, but I like to go back and heal your past. So I give the enemy no way to make accusations about your past. That's the God that we serve somebody. And that's why I worship when we gather together. You must understand the reason why I worship is not because I'm the pastor. I worship because I've been designed to give God praise and glory. I worship in the shower by myself. I worship in the car. Come on. Every opportunity I get, I lift up my hand and say, God, thank you for your amazing grace. Stop hiding and let God heal it. Come on. Stop doing things behind your back. Bring it in front of the master and let him heal it. I'm getting to my point. Thank you for allowing me just to get us there. And so now he picks the 12 apostles. Now he goes and the Bible says he spends all night praying. God, help us to get back to all night prayer meetings. Help us to get back to a place where nothing's more important than seeking the face of the Lord. Don't send emails, but we can't ask God to change this nation if we're not willing to come to his house. And have him change our nature. Come on. You see, prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes you. 
You think God's a genius. You can control God. No, you can't. Now you pray so it could change you. Come on, somebody. Jesus had to make a selection. He needs to go to the heavens and says, God, I don't want to mess this up. So I go all night before I pick those who I'm going to run with. So you got to love everybody, but you got to pick and choose those you want running with you. It's not everybody you want running with you. You want to love everybody, but not everybody you want to run with you. Come on. This is so good. This is so good. Jesus says, God, you pick the 12 jokers that you're going to give to me so I can turn them into winners. Probably not that way. That was Rowan Anderson translation. So he prayed all night. And there are things that are weighing on you that one hour is just not sufficient to do. You've got to spend all night seeking the face of the Lord. See, being a parent will give you a prayer language. So don't tell me you don't know how to pray. Come on. Being a parent. God, please help me with this child. And some nights you got to spend all day just crying out. The culture is after our children with a vengeance. And so we have to understand that prayer is so important. And so he does all that. And now Jesus does something that's amazing now. And we get to, we get to our text because, because what Jesus wants us to understand that the things I've told you about is the title of the message is really Jesus wants you to build your life. That's what he really wants you to do. And that's why I said you've got to become a committed to the scriptures and committed to the, to, 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 to the spirit's working because you have to build your life. He's building his church, but you've got to build your life as the church. And so Jesus is building his church. And in the midst of that, he said, build your life as the church. Oh. Let that sink in because it's important because he's saying that a life that is well built won't collapse under the natural demonic onslaught of the enemy that's coming after us. If you think this is something, you haven't seen nothing yet. The enemy is being restrained by the grace of God. Come on, somebody. Ah. And if you think this is pressure, if you think that this is something that you can't handle, wait until the removal of that happens and he runs wild. My prayer is that we'll be up in the first load. Come on, somebody. Perhaps those who are mid-trip. I don't care. At least you, you got to go somewhere. Whether you're pre, mid, or post, I don't care. Make sure you're going up. And so he says, those who are going up built their life. They built their life. And so he gets to this particular text on the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew. He's up elevated. He's up on the mountain. But now in Luke, we see that he goes down to the plain. He goes down to the level. I'm so glad that Jesus knows how to move from the mountain to the valley and not lower the standard of God. That is so vital that as you're building your life and the people that you pray to run with you, you have to understand that you have to keep your standard as the word of God because there will be a Judas in the midst of your camp. Come on. Who was put there by design. <laughs> God have mercy. I mean, think about it. Here is Jesus, the word who knew everything. And yet he picks every one of the disciples and he picks Judas as well. 
Because you understand that if I build my life, that God himself will direct my steps. And so he gets this place and, and he realizes that I can't lower the, the standard of the word of God. See, we have people who are lowering the bar because they feel that the word is too high. And as opposed to telling people to build their life so it reflects the standard of God's word, we lower the word of God so they stay low and they continue to be an onslaught for the enemy. You are doing nobody any favor by lowering the word of God. You're actually being irresponsible. So we must challenge people to say, listen, build your life on a sure foundation. It's a sure foundation. And so now he goes and he preaches this amazing message. And before he does that, he cures some people and he cast out devils and demons, just demonstrating his power. In verse 19 of Luke 6, it says this, and all the crowd sought to touch him for power came out from him and healed them all. That's Luke 6, 19. That was the reaction of the people and all the crowd sought to touch him. My prayer is that we will hear these words and the church sought to touch him. That every time we come together, our number one goal is to touch Jesus so power can come from him and can heal our situation, heal our bodies. It doesn't make any sense. You pay $3 and something, a gallon of gas to come and just sit there cute. No, I came to touch Jesus. I came, I came to touch Jesus. I came to touch Jesus. Is there any woman with the issue of blood that says, I've got to press through and I've got to touch the hem of his garment my god if you have one or two individuals that says i came to touch jesus ooh, i want his power in my life so i know i'm gonna build my life based on the power of god that's available mm. all the crowd sought to touch him for power came out from him and heal them all. That's for Alex. That's for Rick. That's for Darling. That's for anybody that needs a healing. Uh, uh, a, a, a sozo. A, 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 a therapy. It, 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 this word healed encompasses so much. Because the power of God reaches every part of you. Someone say build your life. See, see if you've got a best friend that's sitting beside you. The greatest thing you could tell them is to build your life. Come on. That's the greatest thing you can tell them. Build your life on a sure foundation of our friendship. Come on. You see, we have to do that because we're going to see here. The reason is, is we need accountability. And so the accountability comes from when Jesus now comes. And, and this is my text. And, and so we begin at verse 46 of Luke. And he begins in this. And Jesus now, is, is he changes the mood. Everybody's happy. There's healing. There's power. There's things happening. But in verse 46, where we're going to park and land and, and go to verse 48, it says this in Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? He gives this amazing gospel message, just powerful. It's awesome. And he asks the questions, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? I love Jesus. He can just change like that. He can 
He can be the gentle lamb and then be the one who gets the whip and says, get out of my house. I mean, that was no cute Jesus. Come on. That was no cute Jesus, you know, a friend of sinners. No, no, no. He had a whip. He says, get those things out of my house. Ah, I love Jesus. So he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? And he says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been what? Well built. Build your life. And so the reason why you turn to your friend and you said, hey, build your life on a sure foundation Our friendship is because here's what you're really telling them. Write this down if you're taking notes. This is definitely worth your admission that you paid to come in here. Watch this now. He says this. To build your life, you have to first tell the truth. Number two, love Jesus. Number three, obey Jesus. That's it. He's saying tell the truth. If you love Jesus, then you will obey Jesus. He's telling them that, that tell the truth. And, and so as he looks into this particular sermon, Jesus now comes and this is the conclusion of it. And so Jesus is saying, listen, here are the three major areas of life that Jesus covers in this sermon. The three areas, in case you're interested, is this. He says, when dealing with life circumstances, this is Luke 6, 20 to 26. He says, when dealing with life circumstances, he first and says this, trust God. Trust God. So no matter what has entered into this atmosphere, naturally or demonic, if it affects the circumstance of your life, he says the first thing you do is not trust government, you trust God. You don't, you don't, I'm not saying ignore government, I'm saying the first thing you do is when something gets into this atmosphere that is foreign or domestic, oh come on. The first thing we do as the church is we trust God. Because you told your neighbor, build your life on a sure foundation. And so my friendship to you is of great value because what I'm going to tell you is that when life situations and circumstances happen, I'm going to tell you before you trust anything else. Don't trust your job. Don't trust your, don't trust anybody. The first thing you do is you trust God. Oh, come on, somebody. Come on. Come on, come on. You got to do that because we're going to be challenged. And he says, trust God. First thing he says. He says, the reason why you want to trust God is because the second major area of life that Jesus addressed, he says this. He says, because you told your neighbor to build their life and you're also building your life. He says, the second thing you have to do is not just trust God, but you also have to see how you treat people. Who are created in the image and likeness of God. He says to trust God means you have to do life with people. Oh, that's so good right there. That's so good right there. And so it says, how is your attitude towards other people? And you have to love them. See, tell the truth. If you love Jesus, you will also obey, uh, obey Jesus. Like we have this smorgasbord uh, meal gospel now that you can just pick and choose what you want Jesus to come into your life with. 
And, and, so, and so it's almost like, again, I love this when I heard this. I didn't come up with this. It was so amazing. You're looking for a parking spot. And you say, Jesus, help me find a parking spot. And somebody pulls out. And you tell Jesus, oh, it's okay, Jesus, I got it now. And you pull into the parking spot. It's almost like as if we trust him, right? We, we, we trust him only so far, but we don't trust him all the way. And what he's saying here is that when you build your life, you got to get to a place of where you understand that, that to build your life, you have to trust God, and then you have to see how you treat people who are created in the image and likeness of God. I don't have time to share this, but the reason why, just ask the question, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Is because the way our mind think, if I really told you in the Greek what the word Lord means, your perception of what you think that word would be would cause you to have a struggle with receiving it. Let me break it down. We teach people, hey, just believe in God and that's it. Well, of course. I, I watch this uh, a Facebook um, thing where where this lady asked a question. There was a Muslim uh, uh, panel up there, and, and she says, I thought, I thought the Quran says you have to follow the teachings of Jesus. And the guy st- stood up and said, what's your name? And she said her name, and he goes, okay. And he went off to quote scripture, like, I mean, memorized scripture and was quoting it. Not the Quran, he was quoting the New Testament of Jesus' teaching. He said, of course we follow the teaching of Jesus. And he actually went and said to her, I'm actually more Christian than you are. Lottie, 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 my goodness. And what he was saying was, because he's religious, watch this stuff, because he's religious, he ties to an understanding that doesn't have freedom connected to it, oh God. So even though he can quote scripture, that doesn't mean he's got freedom, And because the person who asked the question probably didn't understand the grace of God and scripture was silent. That you can quote scripture, but doesn't mean you have deep understanding what's going on. Why? Because you can believe in God, but still don't understand his lordship. And so we teach because we lower the standard because no one's coming to church anymore. So we lower the standard. All you have to do is just to believe. And they come in with weight of culture on them. They come into the church and they get comfortable in the culture that's keeping them in bondage. And we are telling them we love them. That's a lie from the pit of hell. We don't love them. Come on. Because if we love them, we want to walk in freedom. And we will tell them, build your life on a sure foundation because the storm is coming. And because the Judas is going to be in your camp and your kids are going to lose their mind. And you've got to have something stronger than just, I believe in God. Because the Bible says, even the devil believes and trembles. So it's got to be more than just believe in God. Come on, church. We got to move past that. It's one thing to have a big church. I'd rather have a healthy church. Woo, come on, come on. I'd rather a healthy church who understand what it means to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And you got this assurance, come on, that you build your life on. So no matter what has happened in your life, no devil in hell can take you away from God. Come on, when you build your life, what can separate us from the love of God? Can tribulations, persecution, the sword? No, in all these things we're more than conqueror. To him who love us. And it's from that place I learned to treat people. And here's the deal. Here's the other area of our life. We have to then be transparent with ourselves. See, the weight of your witness, the, 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 the structure of your foundation is Christ. But the weightiness for people to stand on it is your character. 
the structure of your life is Christ. He is the solid foundation. But for people to step, come on, not all over you, but to be on your shoulder to see a different perspective and view, oh God. So I trust God. And that's why what happened is this. When David was bringing the presence from where it was in the Philistines camp, and he was bringing it to Jerusalem, what David did was he disregarded the word of God and how the presence of God is supposed to be ushered in. And so David just had to put on a new cart, and they went and it stumbled, and they touched it, and they died, and David said, stop, I have to build my life on a sure foundation. David saw life was taken. And so if David would understand and recognize, David, a man after God's own heart, would have recognized that God is a means and God is a way. And so that Christ is the solid foundation, but character is vital. We see that David finally realized it wasn't God. It was the character that we were treating God just like any other object. And he comes and he says, now listen, it has to be carried on the shoulders of men. Come on. When you're bringing the presence of God, it's got to be on your shoulder. Why? Because Christ is the foundation. But we have to step so we can see a perspective of God that we want to see in our city. Are you with me, somebody? If we want to see God move in Marion, it's got to be on the shoulder. Come on. It's got to be on a place of where Christ is our foundation. But our character is awesome. And so therefore, we say, God, show me my character. Show me who I am. I'm going to be painfully honest with who I am and where I am when it comes to trusting you and treating people. Are you following me so far? So glad you came this morning because you're recognizing now that there are people whose lives have fallen apart, have collapsed. It has ruined. And you got to walk up to them and tell them, hey, build your life. I tried to build my life. And it's falling apart. And we have to be people who can speak prophetically. And we can say that you can't call him Lord, Lord, and not do what he says. In the midst of the chaos, you got to bring a prophetic word in that. He says, because you got to build your life in these three areas. That's your homework, if you would like. To look over your life and say, God, as I begin to build my life, I look at how am I trusting you in everything. In everything. I'm here to tell you that the media and the airwaves wants to bring a spirit of fear all over this thing. It's almost like a stigma to be sick now. I mean, look at the Bible. Here was Peter's mother-in-law. And Jesus would go up and says, no, nothing like that. That just be an opportunity for God to be glorified. And so, God, I take care of myself and God, I do whatever. But, God, I got to trust you. Have you ever noticed that every morning when you wake up, it's the grace of God? And that we can gather together the grace of God? And that's your healthy, it's the grace of God. Never get to a place where you can't find it in you to give God praise and glory. It's God's grace. And so every morning when I see what's going on and I see all that's taking place, I say, God, thank you. I can breathe. Thank you, Lord God. I have my faculties. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm going to build my life in these three areas. We have to trust God, church. We have to trust God. We have to get to a place where we, where we do the difficult work of, of saying, I can't, I can't rest on that if it's not been vetted by the word of God. 
You have to take the word of God and everything that lines up. And you have to look at the word of God and says, I know this may not be popular, but this is your freedom. And so he says, are you trusting God? That's the first question you have to ask. Are you trusting God? That's what the sermon was about. Jesus was saying, listen, you have to trust God. And he goes, how you treat people. And he says, you have to be painfully honest. Because he concludes and he says this. He says this. Your attitude towards God is vital Because when you get to a place of where you embrace God, you will be exposed to hard truths. He is going to ask you hard questions. Why call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you to do? So Jesus was telling them, if you want to build your life, tell the truth. If you love me, obey me. He wants it to be settled right now. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, my prayer is that none of you be deceived. My prayer is that not one of you, come on, not one of you abandon the faith. My prayer is not one of you. Come on, we had a massive exit when this COVID thing came. We're like, I'm out of here. Massive exit and all the causes that were taking place. Lines being driven. People are saying, listen, and I'm sitting and my heart is bleeding and I'm looking at God and I'm saying, God, he says, Ro, it's the hard truths. Do you really trust God? Do I really trust God? There will come a time, maybe not today, maybe not next week, maybe not next year, maybe not 2022, maybe not 2023, but there will come a time where you have to answer those hard truths. And I pray it's before you get before the throne. And he asks you, why did you call me Lord, Lord? And not do what I said to do. This is not meant to put fear in you. This is meant for you to have faith to build your life. This is for you to recognize I'm in the moment now in my life where I can build my life upon the sure foundation of God's word. It is time that we get committed to the scriptures. Come on, if you're going to have any conversation with anybody, please, in the one hour or two hour or five minutes, please, please bring up the word of God. After you've exhausted all your personal opinions. And after you rehearse what's popular out there. And when you say what the latest politician, after you do all of that, can you please get to the word? And say, okay, now let's see what the word of God says. Come on, I'm here to help somebody. I'm here to help somebody. I'm here to help somebody. We have to build our life upon the word of God. We have to trust God. Come on, the most precious thing to me is my children. And I have to trust God. Come on, I got to trust that God is doing a work inside of them that I can't close the book. Come on, I still have to keep the book open and says, God, you promised that you are going to save my household. So in the name of Jesus, I stand upon your word. I stand upon your word. I stand upon your word. You see, there are hard truths that you're wrestling with right now. There's hard truth that you're wrestling with right now. You got people confused and, and they're asking the question. They're asking the question. They're saying, God, um, um, how can you let this happen? How, how can you cause my house to collapse? How can you allow the hurricane and the war? How can you allow this to happen? There are people in Afghanistan who are saying, the church, they will not give up on God. They're saying, God, we need you right now. Oh, I heard that.
And the answer God is telling them. Trust in God. Because he gets to the conclusion of this sermon and he says, why call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? See, we all believe in God, but there's nothing we have to do. We have to become like Christ. And so in our assimilation process, they taught us how to grow a church. You get people from believe to belong. Because they want to become like Jesus. I love it because they all start with the letter B, right? So I love that stuff, obviously. But where we stop is we stop and we get people to believe. We, we, we get people to, to belong. And we get people working to become. And that's where we stop. And we never get to the lordship of Jesus. So all three of these, he can be your savior and still not be your lord. I'm not saying you make him Lord. Let's not get it twisted. He's Lord whether you make him or not. I'm just simply saying you're going you're gonna to build your life on his Lordship. Ooh, that was good for somebody right there. So you tell me, preacher, with your head sweating, are you telling me that I can believe in God, that I can belong to a company of believers, and I can try to become like Christ and still not make him Lord? Yes. Yes. And it's right here where he now says, tell the truth. If you love Jesus, obey Jesus. Ooh, come on, somebody. And so where you've been in your life has gotten you right here. You're trying to become like him. You're trying to become like him. And you're doing the works to become like him. And he's saying, no, 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 no. you got to build your life on his lordship. Ooh, good God Almighty. Because here's the difference. When you get to the Lordship, what Jesus was telling them is as long as you believe, as long as you belong, as long as you're trying to become, those are all great things. They're important things. I'm not minimizing them. But until you can recognize, ready for this? You are bought with a price. That your life doesn't belong to you anymore. Oh, God, come on. That you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. So that's why it doesn't matter what people tell me. i got to go to God and say, God, this is your body. Come on, somebody. And you've got to tell me what to do with your temple because this is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And so I go to God and I say, it's not because it might be wrong for you. It's because God's telling me it's not right for me. Because he's the Lord of my body. Because he bought it with a price. I'm no longer my own. I was bought with a price. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost all over me right now. He wants to know when he is Lord. When he becomes Lord of your life. You recognize the debt you owed. You couldn't pay it. He paid the debt. And now he owns your life. Oh my God. Yeah, that's the hard truth. Does God own your body? Come on, somebody. Are you a temple of the Holy Ghost? Does God's spirit dwell inside of you? He can't be Lord if he's not owner. Come on, somebody. And he is the owner 
of my life and of my body. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Does God own your body? Tell the truth. Come on. Are you bought with a price? Tell the truth. Because if you love God, you will obey him. And you need your body to obey him. Come on. I end with this. Jesus and John goes to them and says, Hey, destroy this temple. And I'll raise it up in three days. Come on, somebody. Woo, come on. Not destroy this belief. Not destroy this religious community. Come on. Destroy this body. And in three days, I'll raise it up. And they say it took 40 plus years for King Herod to build this temple. And Jesus said, see, I'm talking about the temple of my body. Come on. He said, I'm so deep in this thing. He's saying that there is power on the inside of you. Come on. When you recognize that I seek the one who has the power. Destroy this temple, devil. Come on. Eat away at my flesh so faith can rise up. Come on. Eat away at my flesh so faith can rise up. Because I trust God. I treat people. And I ask God. God, I'm honest. I'm afraid. He says, trust me. God, there's a weapon against me. Trust me. God, all hell's breaking loose. Trust me. God, this nation is going to trust me. Trust me. Trust me. It's the hard truth. Who are you trusting? Some trust in chariots. But I will trust in the name of the Lord God Almighty. Come on. Who are you trusting? Tell the truth. So here it is. So here it is. So we're role playing. So so we friends, right? Yeah. Okay. So we, we friends. There's a storm coming. There's a storm coming in your life. It's not if, it's when. Come on. It's not if. It's when. Because the Bible says it makes, he makes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. It says a storm is coming. The enemy is working something to try to take you out. Enemy is working something to try to take this nation out. Come on, somebody. So in the midst of the surface things, let's go deeper to see in the belly of hell. Come on. What the enemy is trying to do to work up to release with you. He's got poison in the air that he's looking to shoot into your heart. He's watching how you move. He's watching what you do. He's watching how you think. He's making those personal experiences become strongholds. Come on. So then you are rock solid in a belief system. And so I said, the enemy is bringing a storm. And I don't want your world to collapse. And so what I say to you is this. I'm going to tell you the truth. Come on. Because I love Jesus and I have to obey Jesus. Oh, come on. Come on. I love Jesus too much to not tell you the truth. So I'm not intimidated by your response. My love is stronger than your response. Oh, God Almighty. 
And I can't allow you to trust in things that will collapse. And so I tell you the truth. He's Lord of your life. And he needs your body. He needs a body. Come on. He needs a body. Jesus is the head and he needs a body so that he's Lord of the earth. Come on. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Somebody needs you to tell them the truth. Somebody needs you to tell them the truth. Come on. You've been tiptoeing around it. Before you can speak the truth in love, you have to tell the truth that you are in love. Come on. I'm going to say that again because someone needs to hear that. Both on Facebook Live and here. Before you can speak the truth in love, you have to tell the truth that you are in love. I'm in love with Jesus. 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 See, my last scripture is this. Jesus tells the people, and he says, listen. I got two minutes left. He says, listen. He says, don't fear the one who can kill the body. Oh, watch this. There are so many things out there. Listen, there are things not even, not even discovered yet that, that, that is going to infiltrate the people of the earth. The, 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 there are, vi- there are things out there that if man is not careful and mess with, it's going to cause multiple things. Come on. That's because the earth has fallen. That's because of sin, what sin has done. And so Jesus says, don't fear him who can kill the body. He says, fear the one who can kill the body and the soul. So we must be more concerned about people's souls than their body. And what I'm about to tell you right now is hard truth because your flesh doesn't want to feel it. But your soul needs it. Come on. Your soul needs it. Your soul needs it. Tell the truth. If you love Jesus, obey Jesus. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for today. We don't want to build a life that collapses. Come on, come on. If you don't want to build a life that's going to collapse, but you want to build a life that is on a sure foundation, if you want to build a life, build your life, make him the Lord of your life. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, we worship you, we glorify you. Right where you are seated, I want you to think about these, think about this. God, do I trust you? God, how am I treating other people? And God, am I being transparent? God, do I trust you? God, how am I treating people? And God, am I being transparent in my life? Because I have to face the hard truth. Are you really the Lord of my life? I have to tell the truth. If I love you, Jesus, 
I'll obey you. Let that be what you meditate on this week.